dig in, but before we... So good to have you here. We have uh, some people we don't usually get to see. And then uh, so many others are on their way back to us. And our prayer is, God, that you would you know, give them safe travels because we are more than just a group that comes to the same place at the same time every week. We are a family of faith. And uh, when you're back with us, that is such a great thing. So they're coming, and we're, we're, we're eagerly anticipating. So glad you were able to make it. A couple of housekeeping things. Before we uh, jump in, we are jumping in today. Uh, right after the service, we are blessed to have six, we're celebrating six baptisms today. And that is such a beautiful thing, the celebration of, of Jesus' uh, death and resurrection and life. And, and, and we, get to, we get to be part of that this morning. I want to do a quick shout out to our brothers and sisters over at Community Church down the way. Uh, they have graciously lent us their portable baptistry. Once again, they've been so gracious. So if you see any of them, thank them. Um, they've done that a lot this year. And God has done such a wonderful thing. Do you realize that after today, we will have had... 25 baptisms at Bethany in 2008. Praise God. Whenever, praise God, whenever there's fruit on the tree, whenever there's people coming to Christ, whenever there's people being baptized, whenever there's people being challenged, no person should ever try to take credit for that. That's the work of God. And we're so grateful and we're humbled and we're just juiced up because whatever God begins, he finishes. And he's on a roll. He is on a roll. In your bulletins, um, getting back to the baptistry, um, having borrowed it so much and seeing how God is blessed and anticipating that he's going to continue to do that powerful work, we think we need um, one of our own. So if God places it on your heart to place one of these under Bethany's Christmas tree, uh, God bless you. Okay? We need to do that. It's about $3,000. But you can see, you multiply that out. It, it's getting great use. And I think this is a little bit of a God thing. You know this cover, this color choice? It's called Bethany in their catalog. You know, is it all starting to fit together for you? So after this, we're going to be joined by people from the 9 o'clock service who want to celebrate with us. We're excited. And then we have a potluck. Potluck, so stay after the baptism. We're going to get dunked. Then we're going to eat. It's going to be great. You said, I didn't bring any food. City Market is right over there. You know what? You could just shoot over there. Get um, a pint uh, of Ben & Jerry's Americone Dream. Have you ever tried that? Yeah. Just bring it back. Nobody will get hurt. Hey, you don't want to do that. You just stay. There will be plenty of food. You want to celebrate together. want to do that. Um, next Sunday is the last thing. Next Sunday is Youth Sunday, and we are going to get blessed. It is going to be so incredible from the preschoolers to the high schoolers. They're going to take every element of the service, and they're going to do it. And we're only doing a 10, 1030 service. So if you think about waking up early and coming with us at 9, we're only doing the 1030 because to corral all of this blessing, we think we can only do it once. Um, so 1030 next week, you come at 9, we're going to put you to work, and there won't be any donuts yet. So just, just come at 1030. Um, 30 days to live. We start at the beginning of November. It is the last day of November. What a beautiful thing it's been. There's a, there's a man who not had 30 days to live. He was dying at home. He was convinced this was the last day of his life. And uh, he's very sick, very feeble. And he was in his bed, and he's preparing his heart and his mind to step across to meet God. And he was distracted. He was distracted from this process. Because he smelled the beautiful aroma of his favorite dessert, homemade chocolate chip cookies. Can you relate? Can you relate? And it got him up from his deathbed. I love this guy. And he crawls out of bed, and he barely makes it to the stairs. He takes one step down, and then he rolls the whole way, and he's still alive. Bottom of the stairs. He kind of commando crawls like this across the floor and he gets to the kitchen and this trembling arm reaches up on the counter to grab the cookie and he gets smacked by a spatula and this is what he hears put it back it was his wife those are for your funeral you know you can't win sometimes you just can't win but here we are with god we're gonna win today he's got a blessing for you this morning we're wrapping up 
very transformational series, 30 Days to Live. And in it, we're asking the question, what would your life be like? How would your life be different if you knew you only had 30 days to live? And what God has done has been incredible. He's challenged so many of us. He has called quite a few to Christ for the very first time. He has taken many of us and, and, and rededicated our lives, reprioritized our lives. And, and as he does that, we want that to continue this morning. We want him to change our lives, change our perspectives, change our attitudes so that we can live for him and, and others in the way that he calls us to do, just as if. We only had 30 days to live. So we're going to start this morning as we have every other week uh, in the series, and that is in Psalm 39. Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5. If you picked up a message map, it's written there. If you have your Bibles, you want to open that. Uh, it's on the screen if you want to follow there. This is the heart cry of David, and he's crying out, God, please, God, please remind me how brief my time is. Here it is. Psalm 39, verses 4 and 5. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. And here David has this perspective. He wants to get that perspective from God. And we want to get that perspective from God so that he can change us. That's what we come here for. We come here to be changed by his word, by his Holy Spirit. We don't want to leave the same people we came in. And his word and his spirit, his presence has the potential to do that if we open ourselves up to that. So what I'd like to do is another thing that we've done. We've made this first sentence our prayer. And I ask you to join me. We'll say it all together and you won't leave me hanging, okay? We'll say it all together as our heart cry with King David to God to remind us, to open us up to the reality of the fact that our life is brief. James says it's a mist. It appears for a while. Then it vanishes. So we're going to take this first sentence. We're going to make it our prayer together. Let's do it now. Lord, remind me. It, you know, I, it had a lot of potential. I know, you're following through, buddy. I'm all with you. All together now, our prayer, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. God bless you. Thank you. That's our prayer this morning, that God would remind us. He would uproot our lives, all of our status quo thinking and living, and show us how brief our time on earth is and how to use it in the very best way. And the question we've been asking is, how would your life be different? How would your life be different if the doctors told you you had a very short time to live? If you only had 30 days to live, how would your life be different? And many of you have, have shared with me over the past four weeks what your answer would be. And a, a lady told me, she said, how would my life be different? First, I quit my job. Second, I never do a load of laundry again in my life. Maybe you can relate. But seriously, she says, when it comes down to it, seriously, I'd spend more time with my husband and more time with my children because relationships are what matter. Relationships are what matter. So here's what I want us to do. If you've been with us from the beginning, you know we've shown, we've introduced you to some people through some interviews. We're going to meet them again this morning. The first one that I want you to hear from is Larry. If you were here two weeks ago, you remember Larry. He's tough to understand his voice because he was diagnosed with uh, ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. So, so stay with him because what he has to say can penetrate our hearts, can change our lives. In his perspective, knowing he has a very short time, here's what he said was important. Take a look. I know you struggled with a lot of things. But I know. He's speaking to his son. Deep down in my heart, you will pull it together and grow into be a wonderful man. And I know that you will find a passion in your life that will help guide you and that you can look back on. And everybody who knows you will be proud of you. Abby, 
You are a beautiful young girl who needs to stop crying out. You know what I mean? And I said I love you. Um, you are a special person who brings joy to everybody. And I'm so proud of the fact that you look at people for who they truly are. Josh, you are the funny man. Ever since we, you were little, I called you the Teflon Bubba. And you have more jokes and more spirit and fun human things that I couldn't even begin to imagine. Allie, you're the youngest and you're the loudest. And you know what? I wouldn't change that for the world. You let everybody know you're there. You're not afraid to speak your mind. And I wish that I had just a little bit of that ability. And it will make you very strong when you grow up. No, Maureen, I don't think there is anything that I haven't already told you. Um, I love you. I know you love me. So Larry, the difference between Larry and me and you is Larry knows. Larry knew when he made that video, he had a very short time. His short time is over. He's with the Lord now. But he knew and he used, he used those final days, those final moments to pour out his heart. Because he knew relationships are what matter. Relationships. We need to understand that life is about relationships. Life is too short not to be connected to each other and to God. Relationships are important to Jesus. When Jesus did life on earth, he connected with other people in a way that very few of us ever truly understand and even fewer of us ever really experience. But that is call. That's his invitation to us this morning to connect with him so that we can connect with each other in a way that few really experience because life is short and it's all about relationships. Listen to what Jesus has to say about the relationships in your life. It's in Mark 12, verses 30 and 31. Here it is. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. When, when Jesus was asked to boil it all down, he said, it's all about relationships. It's about your relationship with me, with the Father. It's about your relationship with each other. And all of them have to be loving. Loving in a way that few of us understand and few are still ever really experienced. But the invitation is here. And whenever Jesus gives us an invitation, he gives us the ability because he invites us to allow him to do it through us. And that's the beautiful invitation. It's all about relationships. What we have to understand is that the way God created us is he knit us together. He, in our core, in our very DNA, he divinely designed us to be connected, to be in relationship with one another and with him. And so many of the things that we do fight against that. So many of us are here this morning and if you're like me, you have relationships that are broken or splintered or shattered, and it's not okay. And God wired us to be that way. He wired us to be not okay with that because it's not okay with him. And maybe you're struggling this morning. Maybe you know as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that we're called to speak life and encouragement and affirmation and truth and love into the lives of other people, and you're struggling. You're struggling to connect on that heart basis, maybe with somebody who's far from God, who you love deeply, but you have trouble connecting with them. 
and standing heart to heart and eye to eye and saying, God loves you. I want to pour out my life for you. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe the broken relationship is with family. Maybe it's a father that you haven't talked to. Maybe it's a mother. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a son. Maybe it's a daughter. And maybe it just exploded. There was one instance where everything just kind of crashed down. Or maybe it eroded over time. You know, things just aren't what they used to be. We let this go. We let that go. And now it's just gone. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a friendship that's kind of splintered off. That's splintered off and you drifted away. Or maybe where still you had an argument. And it wasn't just an argument because you didn't resolve it. But we let hurt and anger and bitterness and grudges and gossip and all that junk come in. It's somebody who used to have refrigerator rights in your house or your apartment or whatever. You know what that is? It's when a friend can come over and go in the fridge without asking and take whatever they want. They used to have refrigerator rights, but they don't anymore. Who is that? It's not okay. It's not okay when the bitterness and the grudges creep in. And here's what God says. Here's what God says about when that happens. Here's what his thoughts are on the relationships that we have. Ephesians 4.3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Okay, so what does that mean? Make every effort. That's a question that we were asking as we were going through this, as we were preparing for this. Make every effort. The Greek word in the original text, the Greek word in the original text is spadazantes. Say that with me. Spadazantes. That's going to come in handy. Maybe it'll be on Jeopardy. Maybe it'll be a test sometime. Make every effort. Spadazantes. It means to strive earnestly and to strive eagerly. He's calling us to strive earnestly. Give all that we have. Give all of our lives to fight for peace in that relationship. Anybody see Gladiator? That movie? Hands up. You see it? Yeah. All the guys. Get him up. Yeah. That is like my favorite guy movie of all time. And it's probably because of the striking resemblance I bear to Russell Crowe. Can't help it. Um, but if you recall, if you recall, the gladiator, Russell Crowe, is Maximus. No plot spoilers here. Don't worry. He takes out his sword. What does he do? He's a gladiator. He goes from Colosseum to Colosseum to Colosseum, and he cuts people to bits. He he's slicing them, dicing them, chopping them, and making julian fries. Why? Why does a gladiator do this? Because for a gladiator, you have to fight to stay alive. You have to fight to stay alive. And that's what God is saying. Make every effort. You have to fight to keep your relationships alive. Because that is true life itself. To, to be connected to me, God. And to allow me through you to be connected with people that few understand and even fewer ever experience. Fight for peace in your relationships. Do you have a relationship that suffering in your life, God is calling you to fight for peace. Fight for peace. You say, well, I don't, I don't know. You don't know what they've done. Fight for peace. You don't know what they said. Fight for peace. You don't know how often they've done it. Fight for peace. You know, I, I really like to run from God. Fight for peace. You know, I... It is what it is. It happened. It's over. It's not. Fight for peace. If we only had 30 days to live, we'd fight for peace. Fight for peace. Fight for peace. But man, that's tough. That's tough. How do we do it? What does it look like? What do we do to fight for peace? Three essential steps that we're going to take from God's Word. Three essential steps. Here they are. I need you to say it with me. Come on. We're getting good at this. Essential step number one is to confront humbly. To confront 
humbly. That's what God wants us to do. You've got to check this verse out in Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Here's what God is saying. Here's what Jesus is saying. Verse 23, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Here's what he says. Here's what he says is the top priority. This is what you need to do. This is what I need to do. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. If you're here and you know, you need to go. And first, make peace, fight for peace, and then come. This flies in the face of everything, everything that we've been taught outside of the church. He's saying, listen, God is saying to us, listen, you think the gift I want is what you put in the offering plate? You think the gift I want is only the praises that you sing? You think the gift I want is only your butt in the seat of my house? The gift I most want is reconciliation. It's what I poured out upon you. It's what I want to deliver through you. That's the gift I most want. Then come and do the other things. Because if you're trying, he's saying to us, if you're trying to have this intimate time with me, and you're here and you're praising and you're offering and you're laying your life out, and I surrender all, I surrender all, and you're just giving it all to me. And you know there's brokenness and there's splinteredness and there's shatteredness in your, in your earthly relationships. It's hypocrisy. It's hypocrisy. And I want you whole. And I want you alive. And I want you restored. And I want you bringing wholeness and life and restoration and reconciliation to everybody that you touch, everybody that you come in contact with. And there, together, I'm a God of reconciliation. Then we can celebrate, fight for peace. Fight for peace. Fight for peace. Man, that stinks. <laughs> that stinks sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's true, and it comes from God, and I need to do it. But let me give you a little example. I live with my wife. My wife keeps me on a very short leash. If I preach it, I gotta do it. Not only God, but He's given me Sheree, right? Last week when we were here, right? Remember what we talked about? We said we gotta say what God wants us to say, we gotta do what God wants us to do, and we gotta live how God wants us to live. So I'm getting ready for my nap, you know, Sunday? Sunday, just nap. If you need something for me and it's not urgent, don't call because I'm sleeping. Baby, it's beautiful. I didn't nap last Sunday, not as much as I'd like. Because Sheree said, okay, just say what you want to say, do what you want to do. Do what God wants us to do, live how God wants us to live. What's next week? I said, fight for peace. She said, have you listened to your message? I said, it wasn't my message. She said, did you listen to God? She says, I believe God is calling you to do something. So I told her it was time for my nap. Couldn't sleep. Guess why? Because God starts putting on my heart this broken relationship in my life. It was beautiful and strong, something I have not had. Something I have not had up until that point. And it's gone. And God starts wrestling with me, you know. God starts wrestling with me. And I'm saying, you know, I don't really think I'm going to do that. So I have this standoff with God. You ever done that? You ever had a standoff with God? How'd that work out for you? (laughs) I don't usually win those. I had a standoff with God. He says, fight for peace in this relationship. Say, God, you know, uh, I'm going to, but I have this preparation to do. I have these two jobs. and my fight for peace in this relationship. Well, God, where I really feel you leading me to share from your word is how you work in us to bring us inner peace. Fight for peace in your own life. Fight for peace. So I want to honor God in all my relationships. I want to. I want to. So I had to make the phone call. Right? You ever made one of those phone calls where you dial most of the numbers but not the last one? Because you never have to do it. I made the phone call, but it wasn't one of those things you should do over the phone. 
So I made dinner plans. I made dinner plans to fight for peace, to fight for peace in my own life. The same way God is calling you and me to fight for peace in our relationships. And man, it was tough. It was tough. For a long time, I tried to ignore it. I tried to bury it. I tried to say it wasn't important, but it was. It needed healing, and I needed healing. And without knowing it, I was crying out to God, God, I need healing. And some of you are saying, I'm in relationships like that. I'm in relationships that need healing. I haven't talked to my mom. I haven't talked to my dad. I, 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 what I have with my spouse is not the same as it used to be. I have a friend that's shattered. God, I need healing. God, I need healing. That's a good heart cry. You're with me in that. But here's the thing. When there's conflict in relationship, God calls us to step in to the confrontation, to confront humbly the first essential step, to confront humbly, to leave it all here and go, make peace and then come back, to confront humbly. We have to step in to the conflict and we need to do it humbly because we really we don't want to do the hard work of relationships if you're like me you don't we rather like pray like god <laughs> i've blown it again i messed up this relationship i hurt this person this person hurt me i want you to reach in your god bag and do your god thing and spread your god dust or whatever it is you do and i want you to make everything okay and then when like me and this person, we're going to grab hands, we're going to go skip out singing uh, Kumbaya. Has he ever done that for you? Typically, that's not how God works. He's calling us to enter into the conflict trusting, humble. Humble, why? Because the thing that you're bringing to your brother, your sister, your father, your mother, your friend, that you think is their fault, <laughs> might be yours. I learned that. Confront humbly. Let him go in it. Let him go before you. But go. We must go. Confront humbly. Who is God calling you to confront humbly? If you have a message map, it's got that question. It's got a long line, too. You can list several people. Who or what is he asking you to confront humbly? Some of you already know. I'd ask you to write it down and do it. We need to take three essential steps. The first is confront humbly. The second is this. Second essential step. Say it with me. Is to love deeply. Love deeply. Say it again. Love deeply. I think we really need to focus on this. You know why? Because I think we had too much of a dose of the culture telling us what love is. It doesn't matter what generation. Maybe your generation, and you learn it from songs and movies. and tell, You older folks that love potion number nine. Huh? If you're a little younger, maybe you Love Shack, the B-52s. Uh, what is it? Bon Jovi was, you give love a bad name. Now what do we have? Look at T.I. You could have whatever you like. Isn't that right? Like, it's something like that. If you like it, you should have put the ring on it or something. You know, I'm watching. I'm hip. I know. You come right here. This is culture in Christ going together. We've got to figure this out. How do we figure it out? You can't figure it out with your remote control in your hand turning on the hills. Thinking that Heidi and Spencer, oh, that's loving deeply. No. Are you tracking with me here? That's not it. Some of you guys, God bless you, you think, whoop, there it is. It's a song about love. It is not going to work in romancing your lady. Take it from me. I tried. It doesn't work. We need to love deeply, deeply, and it costs us. And the Bible tells us, 1 Peter 4, 8, take a look. Take a look, 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, above all, it says love each other deeply. Essential step number two, we need to love each other deeply, above all. Above all our self-centeredness, above all our lifestyle, above all our comfort. We need to love beyond our comfort zone. We need to be loving people. It's difficult to love because that's what Jesus did. Jesus connected and loved and poured out his life and his affections, his encouragement and his call to people whose lives were so different from what he wanted them to be. But he loved them. Do you? Do I? How about the people? 
people we're already in relationship with. Our family and our friends, we need to love them deeply. Love them deeply. The word for digging in and loving deeply is ectino. To stretch or extend. To go beyond. Go beyond our capabilities. Love with God's capabilities. The people, not only the people we can't love, but the people we can love in a way that we can't love them without him. That's what our world needs. That's what our lives need. That's what our relationships need. That's what this college needs. That's what this community needs. Ectino. To extend, to stretch. It's a word that they used for Greek uh, Olympic competitors when they were running and stretching and going beyond themselves because they knew if they didn't go to that distance, they wouldn't win. If we don't go to that distance, we won't get it. We won't get it. And sometimes I think we don't love deeply. We settle for a shallow love. We settle for a shallow love, you know? You offend me, I'm putting up a wall. I'm building a fence. You make me mad, you're not in my circle of trust. You're not speaking my love language. It's conditional. Anybody can love like that. God is calling us to love in only the way that is possible when he loves another person through us. To love him and to love each other deeply. We have people here this morning who need to confront humbly. Others of us also need to love deeply. To love as we'd never loved before. Love as we'd never loved before. First Peter. Man, it lays it down. Above all, love each other deeply. The verse goes on. Because love covers a multitude of sins. This is supernatural love. This is not common love. This is not shallow love. This is Jesus love. Love covers a multitude of sins. Loving so much that it covers over. That's the love we have in Christ. That's the love that's offered to us. Love that is greater than our sins. Love that is more powerful. Love that lasts longer. Love that it crushes our sin underfoot. That kind of love is supernatural. And he, only, he not only wants to extend that love to us, he wants to extend that love through us to the friends and the family members and the people we haven't loved yet. To love deeply. Who do you need to love? Who do you need to love? Who are they? Right here, right now. Who do you need to love? Deeply. Shallow love won't do. Heidi and Spencer love won't do. Top 40 song love won't do. Jesus love. We've got to get it from him and let it flow through us to others. Some of you here are such beautiful pictures of that. The way that you've loved me, I can't even begin to say, let's love deeply as individuals, as families, as friends, as a church. Let's love like people talk about but never experience. Let's love in a way that we've never loved before. Because because here's the great part, when Jesus calls us to it, he equips us for it. It's possible because he said it is. Let's step out in faith and love like we've never loved before. Let's love deeply. Third essential step. First essential step is confront humbly. Second is to love deeply. The third, say it with me, is to forgive irrationally. Forgive irrationally. Forgive foolishly. Forgive lavishly. Forgive more than is wise. Forgive. 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 Man, well, forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is hard, isn't it? Take a look at Colossians 3.13. Colossians 3.13, Word of God says this. Listen to it. Let, it. let it delve down deep into your heart and your mind. Let Him speak to you. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. You know the problem I have with this verse? It's that word that's underlined right there. Whatever. Say it with me. Whatever. Whatever. What do you mean, whatever? It's easy for you to say, God. Whatever. Whatever. Forgive whatever. And then forgive us whatever. I mean, I've gotten to know a lot of you guys, and you guys have shared your hearts, and I've shared mine with you. 
and we've grown together and I've gotten to know you deeply, some of you, and I've learned that you've been hurt and abused and betrayed and scorned and gossiped about and backstabbed, you name it. And my question is, God, how do, how do you come to a place where you can stand in front of somebody and say, I've been hurt, but I'm going to forgive you. I've been abused by you, but I'm going to forgive you. I've been gossiped about and slandered by you, but I forgive you. How do you do that? How do you come face to face with somebody and say, you know what? Whatever, whatever it is, I forgive you. How do you do that? How do you do that, God? And then God pops up with the answer. Second part of this verse. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I know what he's forgiven me. So I'm going to invite us to take a little walk very quick down memory lane and ask, what has God forgiven you of? Anger? Rage? Bitterness? Pride? Lust? Maybe pornography? An addiction of some sort? Hate? Control? Manipulation? Materialism? Cutting people off from your life? From your care? Cutting yourself off from Him? What is it? Because if you're like me, you cry out to God when you become aware of this sin, you can't ignore it anymore, right? It's really a burden on you. You go, God, I've blown it. Forgive me. Wash me clean because I don't want to do this thing again. He says, you're forgiven. If you're like me, a little time goes by. Maybe you do it again. Maybe you do it again. God, God, please. I, I know I said I was done then, but I'm done now. This time I'm really, really done. Last time, I forgive you. If you're like me, maybe a little time goes on. You might do it again. Oh, God, I don't know what to say. I've confessed this so many times, but I'm struggling with this. But I'm really done. I forgive you. I had a, somebody who knew me who said, you know, you keep apologizing to me for this same thing, but you keep doing it and apologizing again and repenting again. And he says, why is that? I said, because I'm broken. And I'm nothing without the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And if he doesn't build me up and change me, then I'm hopeless. I'm hopeless. I've said it before. If you knew enough about me, you wouldn't want me to preach to you. But if I knew you that way, I probably wouldn't talk to you. So we are dependent upon a God who forgives over and 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 over. And that doesn't mean we take a light view of sin. We want continual transformation. We want to become more like Christ. We want to forgive. We want to sin less often. We want His forgiveness to well up in obedience and holiness. But how many of us would make it if we didn't have that kind of God that didn't put a limit on it? And His Word says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So how can we say, how can we say, God, thank you. Thank you for being that kind of God. It is so cool to have your forgiveness over and over. But what he did or what she said, hmm, can't forgive that. That's hypocrisy. God wants authentic relationships. We can't receive something from God that we're not willing to extend. So we need to forgive irrationally. We look at Jesus. What did he do the last 30 days? last 30 hours of his life, you take a look at it very quickly. He's betrayed by a friend. He's arrested. He's dragged to court, convicted of a crime he did not commit, taken outside the courthouse and beaten. Beaten, irrecognizable, unrecognizable. He's whipped. He's scourged. He who had a crown of glory for eternity past and eternity future had a crown of thorns jammed onto his skull. And they put a cross on him. And they made him carry it to the place of his death where they slammed nails and spikes into his hands and his feet and they let him hang there as they took his clothes and they spit at him and they mocked him. And what does he say? 
What does he say? It's in Luke 23, 24. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I have never had it that hard. You've never had it that hard. If he is living in us and he said it then, he needs to say it again through us. I forgive you. Forgive irrationally because if we only had 30 days to live, we wouldn't be holding on to unforgiveness. Who do you need to forgive? Write it down. Do it. Do it today. Even if you don't have Sheree keeping you from your nap. Do it today. You've got God who's calling you to do this hard work, to enter in, to confront humbly, to love deeply, to forgive irrationally. Who is it? Who do you need to go to and ask for forgiveness? Maybe you were the perpetrator. Maybe you're the one who's hurt the other person. Maybe you've abused. Maybe you've gossiped. Maybe you've chipped away at their life. Maybe you've trashed them. Maybe you've put them in a tremendously difficult situation. You need to go and ask that forgiveness because relationships matter. Don't let another day go by without understanding that our life is brief and relationships with God and each other matter. My goodness, I've kept you here a long time. So I want to show you some of the people that we've met, Sherry and the others, Lionel. See what matters to them and listen with your heart. You know, it's just the value of everything else is just gone. It's all for nothing. And you, you read the Bible and you go to church and you listen to the Word, you know, and you talk about that. You can't take it with you. And and how you're not supposed to live, you know, for those treasures. Those are the wrong kinds of treasures. You know, I think those things that I thought were urgent aren't all that urgent. You know, they're not, um, I don't know. I, I wanted to go to this place. I wanted to go here and travel there, and I wanted to do this and do that. And while those things are important, um, I find that they're not what I'm missing. And, and I have clothes in there that still have the price tags on them that at some point really meant a lot to me. And I just patted them all and just touched them, and I was like, this is all for nothing. It's all for nothing. It means nothing. The clothes are for nothing. The shoes are for nothing. All your shoes, your shoes, shoes, shoes for nothing. You know, I just, just keep going around looking at it going, it's just all for nothing. The only, the only thing that means anything are the people. What's important is relationships, you know, and um, the rest is not all that big of a deal. You know, the people who have come forward, the people who've reached out to us, who've come over, who've helped us. You know, it's drawn my husband and I, I think, a lot closer. I mean, I, I know that man loves me. There is no doubt in my mind that that man loves me. I mean, he, he just puts up with so much. <laughs> and he's there. And um, he thinks I'm beautiful, even when I'm bald. <laughs> You know, and um, he's a good man, and I feel like I can talk to him about anything. I mean, we can. We've had some really deep conversations, and things that we probably wouldn't have had had I not been sick. And with my girls, I think I'm just more in tune with them. You know, I'm not as likely to shove them off. You know, <laughs> sometimes kids can be kind of annoying. You know. And, uh, but I'm more likely to just take that in, drink them in, you know. To all my friends and my wife, there's only three words that I could say. I love you. We'll make that five words. I love you very much.
So I go to dinner to confront humbly, to love deeply, to forgive irrationally. And it was one of the toughest conversations I have ever had. What's worse is that we were being waited on by a young lady who is usually here with us on Sunday. So, you know, we had a man up when she came around. The rest of the time, there was brokenness and confession And how did it turn out? How did it turn out? There was healing. Healing started. There's going to need to be more. But God lifted a burden that I didn't even realize how heavy it was, how it was weighing me down. But you know, it really doesn't matter how it turned out. Because in your situation, it's going to turn out differently because you're different people. Here's what really matters. Are you and I, as people, are we as a church going to be obedient to do what God says to? Are we going to be obedient to fight for peace in our relationships? That's what it comes down to. Let's pray. Father, forgive me. Forgive us when there was an easier way than fighting for peace and we took it. Lord, we invite you in as we never have before. Lord, because our relationships needed it. Our relationship with you, our relationship with others. Still praying. There are some here who... uh, are having trouble connecting with other people, speaking life and encouragement and affirmation into other people, loving people who are not like us. But you know, God's calling you to. That's the heart of the missionary. That's the heart of Jesus. To love people, it's difficult to love. Maybe you're there. Maybe you have a relationship. Maybe it's in your family. A husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a mother, a father. Maybe it's a friendship. And you say, God, I need healing. I need healing in this relationship. I need your strength. I need it to be made right. I need it to be made right by you. And I need you to use me to do the difficult thing. If that's you, I want to pray for you as I pray for myself. Lift your hand up. We're going to pray. God bless you. God bless you. we got hands going up all over the place. We're all in relationships, right? God wants God bless you over here by the paintings. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray. God, we need we need you. We can't love the way you call us to love without it being your love in us. We need your love. We need your desire for reconciliation, Lord. You call us, send us. Help us trust you. Help us go. Help us say what needs to be said. Help us confront humbly. Help us love deeply. Help us forgive irrationally. We want your healing. We want a right relationship with you and each other. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Still praying there are some of you here. We say it's all about relationships with God and each other. And you know that you don't have the relationship with God. You don't have a relationship with Christ that he's calling you to have, that he's inviting you to have. But what you do know is this that you've got junk in your life from broken relationships to pain to addiction to sin, whatever it is, you know that you've got that. And I want you to know something else. You have somebody who loves you and his name is Jesus. And he loves you more than he hates that sin. And he's calling to you. He went to the cross to take it away from you. But so often we want to hang on to it. We want to hang on to it. We want to stay in the struggle. And he's calling us to forgiveness and freedom. He loved you. He came and did what you and I were incapable of doing in and of ourselves. He came and lived the sinless life. He died the death that you and I deserved. He took your, your sin and mine to the cross to pay for it, to take it away, to forgive it now and forever. And he died and he rose again. And today he is King of kings and Lord of lords. As he was before the cross, as he was after. 
forever will be. And he comes to you and he says, come to me. I want to set you free. I want to set you free. And he's drawing you to him right now. And you know it. You know it. Get this relationship right. Get this relationship right. He's calling to you. Come to me. And your heart cry. Your heart cry is, Lord, I know you are the love that I've been missing for my life. Lord, you are the forgiveness that I can't live without. Lord, you are the freedom. You are the freedom that I'm hungry for. You are the healing that I need. You are the freedom from my past and the invitation to a future with you. You are the God I need to fall before and I need to take me as his own. If that is your heart cry, if you want to know Jesus Christ, you want to give it all to him, I'd ask you to raise your hand. We had somebody do it this morning. Give your life to Christ. This is the most important decision you will ever make. The most important moment in your life. Give your entire heart. He invites you. He calls you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to set you free. Is there anyone who will say yes? Say yes. Let God work. Let God work. Receive him. Say this prayer after you're in your own heart. Make it your own, Lord. Come into my life. I know that you are God. I know you loved me and died for me in my place to set me free and forgive me. I want that. I want you. As my Lord and Savior, come in. Forgive me. And I will follow you. going to celebrate what God has done in anticipation of what God is doing. If you need to get changed to get baptized, now is a good time to do it. We've got a closing song. We'll be back with you if you need some prayer. Matt's going to be up here. Use the altar. God bless you.